All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A hundred and seven, a hundred and thirty-three Canucks fans waiting in the YouTube live chat for us to go live on this emergency edition of Canucks Conversation. My name is Dave Guadrelli. Joining me is Harmon Dial, emergency edition of Canucks Conversation, because the Vancouver Canucks have traded for Elias Lindholm. And folks, I know there's going to be a lot of new listeners of the show, a lot of first-time listeners of the show. Like I said, my name is David Quadrelli. I have been talking about Elias Lindholm for months. I was bringing him up as this pie-in-the-sky trade target. Never thought it could actually happen. And here we go. He's the best fit for the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks go out and get him. This team is all in. We're going to have a lot to talk about. People in the chat were saying, I don't know what to do with my hands. Please help calm us down. And I said in the chat to uh, obscure, obscure reference in the YouTube live chat, I said, I am the wrong guy to ask to calm you down at a time like this. Harmon, you got the Canucks Army hoodie on. I love it, buddy. Uh, your initial thoughts on the trade. Let's start let, Let's start there. We'll start with initial thoughts on the trade, the player. Then we'll get to the package because I think that's where a lot of people want to hear us talk about. Yeah, I mean, my initial thoughts are Lindholm checks so many boxes that this Canucks lineup could have used. I mean, he's a great finisher, which is going to be useful for this Canucks team that needed... Another top six presence. He's a right shot centerman who's, I think, been winning faceoffs at a 55% clip there. So that's going to be massive for, um, you know, situ- situations, especially when you go into the playoffs and you need to defend a lead, for example. You can ha- now have another center that you trust to, to win draws. He's excellent defensively. He's going to make an impact on the PK. He's also go- going to, I think, be an excellent fit on the power play because as a right shot, in both the bumper and net front. He has a lot of experience in those areas. And again, 
he's the type of player that doesn't need to have the puck on his stick to be dangerous offensively. He's an off puck attacker. That's going to be a big theme. I, I think of today's show as we discuss Lindholm's value, what he is as a player, how he scores a lot of goals. Uh, and that works because the Canucks power play as constructed, they have a lot of puck handlers. When you look at Miller, when you look at Pedersen, when you look at Hughes, and now to have two right shot finishers in Besser and Lindholm, essentially that you're able to rotate between the bumper and the net front. Uh, I really like the potential look of that. Not to mention, I know Lindholm's offensive numbers aren't particularly uh, great this year, but the thing to keep in mind is his offensive production has fluctuated a lot depending on what type of line mates he's had, right? So in 2021, 22, uh, he was the third piece on that dominant first line with Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau. That's where he was able to sort of serve as a two-way backbone and finisher. And he scored 42 goals and, and had 82 points, finished second place in Southie Trophy voting. Now, last season, Kachuk and Gaudreau obviously left. Now, Lindholm, for all that he does well offensively, he's not the dynamic play creator. I'm going to drive a ton of offense by myself. So predictably there was a bit of drop off, but he still forged excellent chemistry with Toffoli scored 62 points last year. Again, drove great two way two way results as Calgary's one uh, C. And then this year he loses, Corey guy loses Toffoli, loses his top line winger again. So this year it's been a rotating cast of like, Yegor Sharangovich, um, Jonathan Huberto, who's been underperforming, Andrew Mangiapane, and you're expecting him to carry the top line. Now, coming to Vancouver, he doesn't need to be the guy, which I think is going to be really helpful for um, his game, the fact that he's going to have more help. I think that's going to help him pop as a goal scorer. Andre Kuzmenko goes back the other way. That's the main piece of the trade, but I want to continue talking a little bit more about Elias Lindholm, the player. Grady, can you pull up this graphic from Jay Fresh? Jay Fresh posted his scorecard along with some thoughts on um on Kuzmenko and we'll get it in a second Grady's telling us uh he doesn't have it just yet we're a little uh little behind because uh folks this is an emergency edition so anything's gonna happen on a live show but basically Harmon what that graphic says and what Jay Fresh talks about is that he's good at getting open for high danger looks rather than spending a lot of time with possession himself which is similar to what you just said so Look, I, I look at this guy as a guy who can finish. He can play on the first power play unit. Like I think, I think it's important to mention that it's the first power play unit he's going to be an impact player on. Um, he's going to be first over the boards when you need to kill a penalty. Like this guy got Selkie votes as the league's best defensive forward two seasons ago. I know he had the offensive output, forty-two goals as well two seasons ago. But my goodness, this to, to me this this is a slam dunk great trade for the Canucks. And I look, I love the player. I've talked about him a lot. I think you did a really good job of just kind of recapping who the player is. And I think that conversation will pick, pick itself back up, but let's get into the return um, that Calgary gets for Elias Lindholm. They get Andre Kuzmenko, a 2024 first round pick. And basically anything of value stops there. If you ask me, like anything of value right now stops there. A 2024 fourth round pick, Hunter Brustevich and Yanni Yermo. We'll go piece by piece here, Harm. Let's start at Andre Kuzmenko. Let's start there. Where did it go wrong in Vancouver for Andre Kuzmenko is the question that a lot of fans are going to be asking. I think we all know the answer. It, it, it was with Rick Tockett, right? Like he wasn't going to play for Rick Tockett. And as you get closer to the deadline, this is a theme on our shows. We're live Monday to Friday, usually folks. Uh, 2 p.m. We are live Monday to Friday. Now, the thing that we've been talking about a lot in recent weeks, Armin, is that this team doesn't have time to wait for Andre Kuzmenko to figure it out. They didn't have time, which is why they made the trade. They didn't have time to wait for him to get over the sophomore slump, right? Like he has another season at 5.5 million after this. 
you don't have time. You don't have time to wait for this guy to figure it out. He wasn't going to be in the lineup if they played in playoff games. And ultimately, that's what this team really needed. So they obviously make the roster swap of Kuzmenko for Lindholm. Obviously, Lindholm is a massive upgrade on Kuzmenko in terms of what he's going to bring to this Canucks lineup right away. But your thoughts on Andre Kuzmenko going the other way? Yeah, of course, you had to do it just for salary cap uh, reasons to, to fit Lindholm. I'm I'm not too surprised overall in terms of Kuzmenko not being able to fit with Rick Tockett just because sometimes when you're at a point in your team's evolution where you're trying to raise a standard and that means all of a sudden you're changing the way in terms of the transition from Boudreaux to Tockett, how your team plays, how, how they forecheck, how they defend, the defensive habits, that doesn't happen without one or two players falling behind. Right, because Kuzmenko's defensive game was good enough for the rebuilding, underachieving Vancouver Canucks under Bruce Boudreau. It was it was fine because there were a lot of other players sort of in that same boat in terms of turning pucks over, in terms of not winning their board battles, not being good in defensive zone coverage. So there wasn't a spotlight on him. Now what essentially happened is Taki comes in and he says, we're going to play fast. We're going to play north-south. We need to win our battles on the forecheck. We need to apply back pressure. We can't be turning pucks over on entries. Everybody's able to raise that standard. When you look at somebody like Brock Besser, for example, had a really tough defensive year. Forget the goal scoring. He had a tough defensive year, but he's able to level up in a huge way. Same thing with JT Miller. A lot of other players on the roster, you, you look at somebody like Dakota Joshua also elevating his two-way game. Connor Garland has elevated his two-way game this year. So now when everybody else is able to take that next step, the bar is raised. And Kuzmenko just fell behind. He's not that type of player who sort of fits with, with the way this team wants to play now. And um, when you combine it with the shooting percentage regression, I mean... Shot 27%. The goal scoring was bound to to fall off. And that's why even going into the season, like I wrote a piece breaking down the NHL's top 10 regression candidates. And Kuzmenko was one of the top players uh, on that list. Kuzmenko's going to get a lot of time. He's going to get a lot of time in Calgary. He's going to score his goals. And that's already being pointed out in the YouTube live chat. Folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button and the notification bell to know when we are posting videos, when we are going live check us out wherever you get your podcasts. I know we got a lot of new people uh, that are watching us for the first time. So be sure to stick around because we got good content all throughout the season and all throughout the year. Bali, a lot of people bringing up Bali, Harmon. That Bali trip is going to be brought up for a long time in this city. Let's move on to the next piece here. And, and one of the pieces of this trade that I'm going to focus on later is that Lindholm is a UFA after this year, right? Kuzmenko has another year at 5.5. So the Canucks get out of the contract. I think that's an underrated part of this that I don't think is being talked about a lot. We're going to touch back on that later. We'll revisit that, but just something I wanted to throw out there. The 2024 first round pick, that's probably going to be the 32nd overall pick. Let's be honest. It's going to be a late first round pick in all seriousness. So you've got that. The 2024 fourth round pick reported by our pal Pat Steinberg over in Calgary that the condition on the fourth round pick is that if the Canucks make the Western Conference final, the pick turns into a 2024 third round pick. So with the Canucks obviously making the Western Conference final, they will. Um, 2024 third round pick is what that pick could become. Hunter Brustevich is the prospect that goes back, um, the prospect of note that goes back. Now, Brustevich, we've talked about him a lot, Harm. We've talked about the idea of trading him. 
I like the idea of moving him because it's good process. Right now, Hunter Brustevich's value as the o- the leading point getter in the OHL as a right shot defenseman, his value is never going to be higher. But he is a bit undersized, and he is of that archetype, of that player archetype that you and I have discussed, Harm, where you're not really sure if it's going to translate to NHL success. There might be a world where Hunter Brustevich turns into a PP2, hell, even maybe PP1 quarterback, and he's an actual top four defenseman. There is a world where that happens. And if that happens, this trade looks a lot, not, I don't even want to say a lot. It looks slightly less good for the Canucks if that's what happens. But if we're playing the odds here, it is a lot more likely that Hunter Brustevich becomes organizational depth or, you know, a bottom pairing defenseman at the absolute most. It's a lot more likely that those are the outcomes for this player. And that's nothing against Hunter Brustevich. Huge Lego guy. I really like Hunter. He's got, he's got a lot of Lego as well. He's got his, uh, titanic we've had him on the show before great kid wishing him nothing but the best but in terms of what the player could become the odds of him hitting and becoming an actual top four nhl defenseman are low they're lower than him not becoming that Absolutely. And you also have to keep in mind that ultimately the Canucks had to give up a quality prospect. It wasn't just going to be a first round pick. And of course they were able to protect Willander and Lakaramaki there. Also the other key part of it is keeping Nils Hoaglander, which we heard our, our pal Rick Dolly while speaking at various points earlier in the season that Hoaglander's a player that Calgary really wanted. And it makes sense because the flames are in a retool situation. They're not trying to tear it entirely down. And I think that shows considering when they made the Toffoli trade in the offseason, for example, they preferred a younger player that could play right away in Sharon Govich rather than going out and wanting pure prospects and draft picks. So, I mean, I don't know this, but I would... I would guess that Calgary probably wanted Hoaglander as part of this deal as well. And so for the Canucks to part ways with um, Brustevich instead, I don't have a huge problem with it, especially because if he hits, think about what style of player he's going to be. He's going to be slightly undersized, offensive, power play type um, defenseman. The Canucks already have two of those types of defenders in Quinn Hughes and Philip Ronick. So... You had to give up a quality prospect. I don't have a huge problem with it. Uh, you brought up something interesting there, and that's that you had to give up a prospect. I tweeted this out, and I'm stunned. Like, the YouTube live chat, it looks like a lot of people are saying, this is good. I'm seeing some people throw out the word overpay. But I was just stunned at the replies to the Canucks Army tweet. A lot of people hating this trade. Look, folks, what we saw here is the Canucks literally... Throwing in a player, throwing in an asset like you would if you were playing NHL. The NHL video games and you're trying to trade for a player, you're just trying to bump up that trade value bar by throwing in a bunch of spare parts. There's a great deal of quantity. There's very, very little quality in this trade going back to the Calgary Flames. Again, Hunter Brustevich is probably the most interesting piece. That's the biggest wild card. But in terms of what that first round pick is going to become, you have the best team in the NHL. You have the best record in the NHL at the time of this trade. And you're worried about a first round pick? You're worried about Yanni Yermo going the other way? Come on. Come on. Let's get let's get a grip here people. Let's get a grip. This is a good trade for the Vancouver Canucks and we haven't even talked about Yanni Yermo yet, Harm. The Canucks didn't sign him. He this was their last year to sign Yanni Yermo and like he wasn't going to get signed. He was he was not going to get signed. The Vancouver Canucks were not going to get not going to sign Yanni Yermo. Yanni Yermo is not a good player. Yanni Yermo is not going to play in the NHL. If Yanni Yermo plays 100 games in the NHL, I'll drink a bottle of ketchup. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. 
this is how I imagine the trade call going, Harmon, is they have it on final going finalized, right? And Craig Conroy's talking to his scouts, and one scout sits up and says, Hey, I, I saw Yanni Yermo play. Go get Yanni Yermo. And Craig says, Who? Okay, Jim, I'm being told we want Yanni Yermo. Jim Rutherford probably had to go, Who? Oh, oh, Yanni Yermo. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We can throw him in. It's a nothing burger. It's 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 a total I, I'm stunned he was even in the trade, first of all. But Yanni Yermo's not gonna play in the NHL. Yanni Yermo's not gonna be an impact player in the NHL. He's not he's not he's not even gonna touch 50 games, but I'm not putting the catch up at that. 100 games. If he plays 100 games in the NHL, I'll drink a bottle of ketchup. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. He's a throw in there. Yeah, and I wanted to just quickly say in terms of the overall price the Canucks paid. So this morning, Thomas Trance and I did a piece at The Athletic where we went over 10 potential rental targets for the Canucks to consider. Lindholm was one of them, and I was trying to project what would a realistic asking price be for Lindholm. And when you look at what Bo Horvat went for, essentially it was a first round pick. Aturatu is a B gate B grade prospect, pretty similar in terms of overall value to uh, Hunter Brustevich. And then Bovelia was a cap dump, same as Kuzmenko essentially. Now, a lot of people argue, okay, well, Horvat was having a much hotter year last year than Lindholm is right now. But the thing to keep in mind is you also look at Ryan O'Reilly was dealt at last year's deadline. He only had 19 points in 40 games at the time that the Blues dealt him to Toronto. And yet it was O'Reilly and Nolachari for a first, a second, and a third-round pick. So you assume the third-round pick is for Achari. That means um, Leafs essentially gave up a first and a second in that trade for Ryan O'Reilly, a top-six center. A second-round pick, again, that's pretty similar in value to um, Ratu, pretty similar in value to Brustevich. So my main takeaway was the fair market value price for Lindholm. And again, we wrote this this morning is around the ballpark of a first round pick in a B grade, B grade prospect or equivalent draft pick. So the Canucks gave up that. And then they tossed in Yermo in a conditional fourth. If they make um, the Western conference final, they paid market price. It, it was a fair, it was a fair return for Calgary and it was a fair return for Vancouver to give up. I'm honestly still surprised that they didn't have to give up Aturatu or Vasily Colson. Like, honestly, if you're Calgary and you're looking at that retool perspective, you would definitely want one of those guys more. I, I'm surprised that they didn't have to give up either one of them. Although I know you and I have had disagreements about those two players' uh, trade value. So we won't get into it on this episode. But folks, we got a lot of past episodes you can go listen to. And hey, if you go back about two months, you can go find me talking about Elias Lindholm. Let's pull up that Jay Fresh card here, uh, Grady. Like I didn't even mention it. Grady Sass is our producer and Lachlan Irvin is our uh, intern behind the scenes. But Jay Fresh tweeted this out. Elias Lindholm reportedly acquired by Van, obviously acquired by Van now, is a two-way scoring center. He's an off-puck player specializing in getting open for high-danger looks rather than spending a lot of time with possession himself. Needs to play with strong passers and puck movers to excel. Harmon, I had this conversation with someone recently, very recently, because this trade happened and my friend texted me and said, oh, Elias Lindholm hasn't uh, hasn't scored much this year. His offense has gone down. Elias Pettersson was playing with two cinder blocks on his wing. Elias Pettersson's going to be able to make Elias Lindholm score. Elias Pettersson made Sam Lafferty score for a month. Do you remember that, Harmon? Sam Lafferty, the guy who's playing on the fourth line now, can't fit in the top six, is not a top six player. There was a time when we were asking, like, oh man, can Sam Lafferty be a top six player because he's playing with Elias Pettersson? Putting Elias Lindholm on Elias Pettersson's wing is going to do wonders for the Canucks. The Canucks just got 
this this is the best fit for them. As much as I talk about Adam Henrique, Frank Vitrano, all this other stuff, all these other players, this is the best fit available for them on the trade market. They get it done before the month of February. Well, also remember, I think the better example might even be Anthony Bovillier last year. Remember when the Canucks acquired him? On a tear down the stretch, people were comparing his point totals to Horvat and how <laughs> Bovillier was outproducing Bo, and everybody was like, oh man, this guy's a piece of the puzzle. No, it was just that Pedersen was um, elevating him. In Lindholm's case, so I went back and I watched every goal that he scored in that year that he was playing with uh, Kachuk and Gaudreau, scored the 42 goals. And what stands out is he's got such a quick and accurate release from the slot, but he needs somebody to get him the puck there. Because Lindholm isn't the type of player that's going to carry the puck into the scoring area himself. There were so many goals where Goudreau would be controlling the puck either on the left side and he's snapping an east-west pass, or more commonly, they're controlling the play down low off a cycle. Lindholm finds a way to get lost in the slot, and Lindholm's office is basically like picture the right faceoff dot just inside it. He's got a pretty lethal one-timer from there, and again, it's not that he's got such a hard shot. It's how quick the release is, and... What happens in those situations is if he's with a playmaker like Goudreau, Kachuk, Elias Patterson, JT Miller, those players draw so much attention. The defensemen and goalies have to turn their backs when those types of playmakers are controlling the puck down low. That means they can't pay attention to other players that are lurking in the slot. Lindholm, A, knows how to find find that open ice, and B, Again, it's not that he's got the hardest shot, but he lets it go right away before the goalie has a chance to get set. Now, the problem is when he's in Calgary right now, he doesn't have anybody to get him the puck in those situations, meaning by the time Lindholm is shooting and getting a lot of his chances off, the goalie is already set. So the value of his quick, accurate release, you're not able to really capitalize on it. And that's why this year he's had to be a little bit more of a playmaker, more of a setup man, which isn't quite the... um, you know what he's best at as an offensive player. And that's why when I was taking the time to digest the trade, how he fits with the Canucks, one of my biggest takeaways was I know earlier, a few weeks ago, we were talking about keeping the lottery line together, get a second line center who can drive play. I really want to see Lindholm with one of Patterson or Miller, because that's how you're going to maximize his offensive output is by playing him with an elite playmaker so that's where right now I'm looking at it. And my initial thought in terms of a potential top six setup is you have Mikheyev, Pedersen, Lindholm, and then keep Suter, Miller, Besser. Not to mention, this gives you extra flexibility from a matchup perspective because now you've got two guys in Pedersen and Lindholm, plus Mikheyev, who's reliable defensively, who are high-end two-way players. Now JT Miller doesn't necessarily have to every night go up against Nathan McKinnon or go up against uh, Connor McDavid. You have two options there. And that is massive in terms of in-game adjustments and the matchup game going to the playoffs. Aside from this not being an overpay, this trade just makes the Canucks so much better. And I think if you're a Canucks fan, you should be looking at the fact that your team is first in the NHL standings and just made a move Basically, the best move they could have possibly made, I would say, in terms of the player they're getting and the fit for the player. I know his offense is down, folks. 
he's going to score a lot. I'm almost going to have to throw out another catch-up bet here, but he's going to score a lot in Vancouver. He is going to put up the points in Vancouver. And you can bookmark this. You can do what you want. You can quote me on it when the season's all said and done. Elias Lindholm is going to be fantastic in the with the Vancouver Canucks. I've been saying it for months. I've been saying it for months, and I'm really excited about it. So I'm saying it again. Uh, seven all-stars for the, Oh, sorry. You had something there. Go on. Yeah, Herm. I, one more point I wanted to quickly make just in terms of the overall package is I know that there's a natural reaction when you see first round pick in, in a trade package, plus the prospect in, in Bruce Devich to go, Oh, that's a lot to give up potentially for a rental. But the thing to keep in mind is first round picks are not created equally. I mean, if the Canucks win the Pacific, they're guaranteed a selection in the mid to late twenties regardless of how deep they go in the playoffs. So Colorado, for example, they picked 27th last summer, despite getting eliminated in the first round of the playoffs, simply because they won the central division. Now, when you look at the value of draft picks in the middle of the first round versus after 20, the probabilities of landing an impact player drop off the map substantially. This is where I went back and looked at five draft classes between 2015 to 2019, and sort of divvied it up and, and went, okay, how many picks in the middle of the first round versus late in the first round turn into impact players? And by impact players, I mean the top six forward, a top four defenseman, or a starting goalie. From picks 11 to 19, 42% become impact NHLers. So, that, so that's pretty good. From 20 to 31, it's only 20%. So you've got a one in five shot. You would need, on average, five first round picks to hit one impact player in that range. So I'm not worried about giving that pick up because there's an extremely high probability that that player won't amount to anything. And folks, this is the thing that we're saying, and Harmon, excellent, excellent point about draft pick value, but this is the thing that we're saying is you go back and yes, we and other Canucks fans out there as well used to complain that you know the Canucks weren't good, but they were trading their picks. Then it was an issue. The Canucks are a good team. The Canucks are a good hockey team. They're at the top of the NHL standings. This is what good teams do. Do you remember how often, Harmon, we would watch the last manager team work and we would say, hey, folks, this is not what good teams do. Other teams aren't doing this. The Canucks are the only team that are doing this. This is what good teams do. The Canucks are just doing what good teams do. Again, I, I can't believe I see people complaining about Yanni Yermo being in this trade. I can't believe it. I, I honestly, like... Anyways, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep going on Yanni Yermo, but folks, you've got the best record in the NHL. They just went and got the best option available, and they didn't have to give up anything crazy to go get it. It was quantity, not quality. The Canucks get by far the best player in the in the trade. And man, even even this angle that oh well, it's not a sign and trade. Like he didn't sign an extension. He's maybe just a rental. You just freed up 5.5 million for next year with this move. I'll ask you this, Harmon, rhetorical question. I don't actually want you to answer it. And I ask all the people out there. If you were trying to improve this team and you said, you know what? We made a mistake signing Andre Kuzmenko to the contract that we did. And that's clearly how this management regime feels. If they went out on the open market and went to a team like Chicago or went to a team with cap space and said, hey, we want to give you this guy. What's it going to cost us? What pick are we going to have to attach for you to take on this guy's salary and give us back like a seventh round pick or future considerations? I don't know, maybe like a second, a third round pick to get out of two years at 5.5. Teams are going to know you're in trouble. Maybe that's exaggerating. Probably a third round pick. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. What I'm saying is that the Canucks accomplished this while getting a great player back 
in return. This is a great piece of business. I, I really like this trade for the Canucks. Don't know how many more times I can say that on this show, but man, uh, it is it is quantity that the Canucks gave up and they got the quality back in this trade. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Canucks also, I like the fact that if you're going to make this trade, jump out ahead and do it as early as possible for a few reasons. Number one, there aren't a lot of high-end players available on the trade deadline market this year, even somebody like a Jake Gensel, there's no guarantee that Pittsburgh is going to trade him. They may still be thinking we can make the playoffs or, or we want to resign him. And so if it wasn't going to be Gensel, man, the list of potential targets was pretty thin. And considering how many other teams may have thought that, Hey, this could be our year given how wide open the field is. I think that could have worked in sellers favor. This, uh, this deadline. It wasn't like last year where you had Timo Meyer and Bo Horvat available. A lot of quality names to potentially go after. Even, even among defensemen, like there were a lot of quality defensemen available last year, like Matias Ekholm, whereas there's nobody that exciting on this year's sort of board in terms of true all-star caliber uh, difference makers. Also by jumping ahead and, and getting it done, number one, it gives... Lindholm extra time to find his footing with the Canucks, which matters because when the Devils acquired Timo Meyer last year or the Isles acquired Bo Horvat, I guess it was a little bit different in Horvat's instance because that trade happened around, around this time. But you do see examples of players that if they're moved right at the deadline, they don't have enough time to fit in mesh and then they disappoint in the playoffs kind of similar to uh, how it went went for somebody like a team Timo Meyer these extra six weeks or so I like it from that perspective of okay Lindholm can learn his role in the power play he can mesh in on the PK you can experiment and find the perfect top six fit that matters plus it gives you extra time to try and win the Western Conference which 
that matchup means a lot in the sense of determining who you're going to play in the playoffs. If you finish first in the West and you're playing a team like Seattle or St. Louis, Nashville, uh, Arizona, I think they're an outside shot. I don't think they'll be the ones, but one of those types of teams rather than uh, one of the other top teams in the West, man, that would be a massive, massive uh, advantage for the Canucks heading into the playoffs and adding Lindholm now rather than doing it on the March 8th deadline gives you extra time to try and continue to pad your lead. And of course, you also just took him away. You took Lindholm away from all those teams that you're competing with that might have wanted to make a trade for him because you got your business done so early. 941 people in the YouTube live chat right now. Folks, make sure you subscribe to the Canucks Army YouTube channel, the one you're watching this on right now. Uh, Follow us on Twitter as well. And of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. I know we've got a lot of um, a lot of new people. Okay, we're being challenged here, Harm. Let's talk about it. Uh, war Clyde 89 in the YouTube live chat said, okay, a lot of positivity aside. What if he doesn't fit? What if Elias Lindholm doesn't fit with this team, Harmon? It happens And Rutherford acknowledged a couple of press conferences ago, ago. I believe that that does happen from time to time. And look, that's where, when you're, in the rental market, that's that's part of the risk. A, a lot of times you make these trades and you the player either doesn't fit or, or in, in the case of a team like a Boston, the player does fit like Tyler Bertuzzi and Dimitri or- Orlov did, but you still get bounced in the first round. Yeah, absolutely. That's a legit possibility. Um, there is downside risk there, but first of all, I'm not worried about any of the assets that, that they give gave up haunting them. Right. If anything, it would have been the opportunity cost of, okay, what else could you have done potentially with with these pieces? It's not like three years, three or four years from now, I I would be pretty surprised, regardless of whether Lindholm fits or not, that we'd look back at this trade and 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 go, man, can't believe they gave up that late first round pick. Look at that. Look at this impact player that this late first round pick has turned into. Um, I I would be su- surprised a little bit um, if Bruce Devich turns into a top four defenseman for a really long time, especially, I mean, considering you already have Heronic and, and Willander um, as pieces that can help you now and in Willander's case in the future. Um, and then the other side of it is even among players with term, there weren't a lot of available players that stood out right because i'm i'm one of the first players that uh, one of the first people that go i don't love rentals in most situations but even as we were brainstorming players were term left there weren't a ton that really stood out to me like we brought up pavlo buchnevich the other day i i still don't know that that there's a good chance st louis is even going to entertain moving him um philadelphia is not going to entertain moving travis konechny minnesota is not going to entertain moving joel erickson eck um even a team like Ottawa, a lot of people were talking about maybe Claude Giroux. A month ago, Elliot Friedman was reporting that the Senators want to add veteran sort of leaders to help teach their core how to sort of fix their habits and get back on track. If that's how they're thinking, are they really going to be be thinking about moving Claude Giroux, who also, I believe, has trade protection? So there weren't a lot of alternatives with what you were going to with what you were going to do with those pieces. So what were you just going to sit on the sidelines or, exactly. or, or I don't know, like make a move for Frank Vitrano, which I mean, w- wouldn't have been the worst, worst 
thing in the world, but Lindholm's a much better player than Vitrano is. So we saw some reports. I think Patrick Johnson had it, Cam Robinson as well, about Chris Tanev potentially being part of another deal that these two teams are working on. Uh, shout out to everybody in the Twitter as well, the Twitter and Facebook chat, over 200 on Twitter, over 115 on Facebook right now, folks. We really appreciate it. Harmon, is this team done? Is the question I want to ask you. I'm going to say no. I don't know if they're going to get Chris Tanev. I would assume that while I still think there's room for improvement in the forward group, I would say that they are going to go out and get a defenseman if they get anything. But I don't know if it's going to be any sort of big move from here on out. Like they, they might be done. I just don't think they are with how early they got their business done here. Yeah, I could see them making another depth ad, especially heading closer to the pl- or, or heading closer to the deadline. You're going to get a better idea of how everybody's meshing. What are your lineup combinations? What are your potential weaknesses? Uh, also, sometimes you run into injuries. Right, you may end up in a situation where another defenseman goes down or another forward goes down with with an injury, kind of like how Carson Soucy is unavailable right now. And um, and at that point, you may go, "All right, we want to we want a band aid solution for this um, to shore up our shore up our depth," and and that could be the the route they go. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'd be a little bit surprised if this is all they do, but again, I'm not expecting it to necessarily be the the biggest um, you know a biggest move coming up next. Jerry Lee pointed this out. Why not a sign and trade? Why did the Canucks give up too much for a rental? Jerry, you got to rewind the show, but I'm going to focus on the second aspect of that and why it wasn't a sign and trade. When the Canucks traded for Nikita Zadorov, we talked to Patrick Alvin very shortly after that trade harm, and the idea of an extension came up, and Alvin said, We're in no rush. If it works out, I hope it works out that we can extend him. But why are you extending a guy at market value who hasn't played for your team? It's one thing if you're going out and getting a superstar and doing that. But you know who the Canucks did that with more recently? Brandon Sutter. They traded for Brandon Sutter. And before he even played a game, before you even saw how he fit in Vancouver, they extended him. And hey, we love Brandon Sutter, the person. That contract was atrocious. It was atrocious the moment it was signed. It was atrocious the moment he played his first game as a Vancouver Canuck. I shouldn't say moment it was first signed it was fair value for what you thought you were getting but the whole point is that that didn't work out and you had him for all of those years because you made your trade and you wanted it to look great so for the optics you went out and extended him right away see how the guy fits before you do that you have that luxury with Lindholm you have that luxury with Zadorov there is no need to go out and immediately sign this guy to an extension. There is no need for the Canucks to do that. And one thing this regime is so good at harm is not caring about what people think. They don't care how the optics of them signing Kuzmenko to an extension immediately saying, yeah, you know what? We made a mistake, but we're just going to eat it. We're just going to eat the mistake and we're going to make the best of it. And that's what they did with this trade. They're not afraid to look dumb. They make their mistakes and they own up to them. They're quick to own up to them. They don't double down on their mistakes like we saw with the last regime. We saw that a lot. We saw with the Gabranson extension. Yeah, that happened, folks. Gabranson got an extension in Vancouver after that flop of a trade. We're not getting into all that. We're not getting into all that. But Harmon, I wanted to answer that question from the chat that it shouldn't be a sign and trade. I get do you you agree with me that your sign and trades should really be saved for if you're going to get a guy like Matthew Kachuk? Yeah, especially because Lindholm, he's approaching 30. His value has been quite up and down, depending on where, who exactly he's playing with, the environment. You want to see what exactly he is before you commit 
a lot of um, term and dollar, especially because from the Canucks perspective, it's not as if they're swimming in future cap space. They don't know yet what Elias Patterson is going to cost. They don't know yet what Philip Ronick is going to cost. They don't know yet what they're going to want to do with Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua. They, they have a number of expiring defensemen on the blue line that they're going to have to replace. There's a lot of business that needs to be done. A lot of uncertainty around the cap uh, from the Canucks perspective for next season. So jumping the gun and uh, paying him a huge contract, I think would have been a risk. I mean, just look at Calgary themselves. You've, you've spoken about the risk of when you make a trade immediately signing a guy when you don't know um, if the fit is going to be there, especially when it's like, it's different. As you said, when it's a player like a Matthew Kachuk, who's young, who's in his prime, um, who's a legit superstar, look at Calgary with Jonathan Huberdeau, right? That's a perfect example. Immediately sign him to an extension before they know he's going to be a fit. And that's now one of the worst contracts in the NHL. So um, there's time to sort all that out. And Harmon, when you go into an offseason like the Canucks are, where you've got Philip Ronick, you've got Elias Pedersen, you just brought those two names up, you want as much flexibility as possible. You want to have all that clarity where you can say, okay, we have this much money to work with, we have these holes on our roster, and we need to fix them. You want as much space and as much clarity and, um, I guess, flexibility as you can possibly have. And the Canucks freeing up $5.5 million for next year makes this trade alone a win. And I just, man, I, I really uh, I really like this trade. And Brian Choi is asking if you like the trade. And yes, Brian, we both like the trade. I think I like it a little more than uh, than Harmon does because I've been talking about Lindholm for months, but Harmon, uh, Harmon is a big fan. Also, folks, we need one more person to join the YouTube live chat. I'm just watching it. We're at 9.99 on the YouTube live chat of people watching right now. We've never touched a thousand in the history of this show. Please don't leave, but hopefully we get one more person joining. I <laughs> gotta say, I'm one right of those, now. <laughs> I'm one of those people. Well, yeah, you absolutely should if you ain't already. But I'm absolutely one of those people that when people point out stuff like that, I'm like, oh, I gotta drop the number. Like, like I, I'm five away from a thousand followers. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was following you. Unfollow. I'm just kidding. I don't always do that, but I, I have done that a couple times. I think it's funny, but I hope people don't do it to us. I hope we hit a thousand uh, on this show, but. Harmon, I wanted to kind of talk about the lineup a little bit here. And I just, I was, I was just poking around at the Canucks lines. And obviously we know Pia Suter is going to be, you know, probably bumped off the first power play unit. I mean, Kuzmenko is going to leave a hole on the first power play unit as well, right? To some extent, like you, you, you would have to replace Kuzmenko. You'd have to replace Suter. Well, Kuzmenko, no. I guess, would be on the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It took me a second. <laughs> Kuzmenko was on the second power play unit. So you've got some power play time to go around. But I think the main point, and Grady's just pulling up the lines for us here. Look at him go. Grady Sass, fastest hands in the West. Um, I got to say, the lines that they're going to be able to deploy, there's so much versatility that the Canucks now have in their lineup because this guy can play center. We hit a thousand. Sorry, people started leaving. So I was worried that I'd not be able to bring it up again. We hit a thousand, thousand viewers in the YouTube live chat. This is insane. Take your screenshots, folks. This is awesome. Thank you so much to all of you here. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Harmon, sorry, I interrupted myself. Back to the lines. Uh, there's so much versatility that's going to come to the lineup. He's going to be the first guy over the boards, Elias Lindholm, that is, on the penalty kill. He's going to be on the first power play unit. Where do you like him the most? I say it's with Elias Pettersson. And I know you said it has to be either Elias Pettersson or JT Miller. But if it is Elias Pettersson, first of all, where do you like him the most? But if it is Elias Pettersson, 
Does he play wing or does he play center? This is a good question. I like Pedersen driving play through the middle. Uh, plus, Lindholm has experience playing wing. So uh, I, I would put uh, Lindholm on, on right wing. It doesn't really matter ultimately because um, he'd be taking a lot of the draws anyway, probably the majority considering how um, how skilled he is there. Again, I think he's won 55% of his draws this season. Um, I also, yeah, I, again, even when when you had the lotto line together and Pedersen was technically on the wing, I know it doesn't make a huge difference, but I probably would have preferred it the other way around with Miller on the wing and, and Pedersen down the middle. I, I just think when Pedersen's making plays from the middle, he has both sides that he, he can make plays on, which um, I think gives him more flexibility, makes him more, more dangerous playmaker. Plus Lindholm, the way he scores again, I spoke about him as a trigger man. A lot of his goals look similar to watching Miller and Besser play together, where it's like, you know, Miller's controlling the play down low and Besser will be hanging around the slot area, just sort of waiting to unleash um, a sort of quick one-timer. That suits well to Lin, uh, Winger's skill set. Plus, Lindholm is somebody that can help on board battles, is going to be good along the walls. So... Yeah, that's how I would lean in in terms of, you know, Mikheyev, Patterson, Lindholm. I know we touched on this a bit earlier, Harmon, but you brought up Elias Lindholm's finishing ability in the middle. And one conversation I had with Rick Tockett earlier this season was just about Brock Besser's newfound ability to get into that you know, those soft spots of the ice where it's right in the middle and you're in the slot, but you only really have a second to kind of push off the defender and find yourself with some space. That's something Elias Lindholm does very, very well. So the Canucks are adding a guy who, in my opinion, is probably going to be the second best, maybe if not the best guy at doing that behind Brock Besser, of course. Brock Besser's scored a lot of his goals from the middle, being able to find that space. Like that's a special skill. And that's something that, look, I never played in the NHL. I don't know that. Rick Tockett's pointed that out to me in conversations that I've had with him is that when you get to the middle of the ice, you actually don't have a ton of space to create that, or excuse me, a, a ton of time to create that space for yourself. That's something that Elias Lindholm is really good. It's just manufacturing space right in this high slot. And it's going to be really important um, down the stretch, I think, for the Canucks to have this guy on their team. Especially because his one-timer, this is the key. He doesn't need a big wind, uh, big windup. Um, it's quick and that's the biggest thing, right? We're not talking about clap bombs, but, uh, the year that he scored, um, 42 goals, I, I looked at both his regular season and, um, and playoff, uh, production. I counted 17 one-time goals. Again, that wasn't loading up from OV spot and, uh, <laughs> blasting it. That was just short, like a half windup and quick a quick bang um some of them even didn't look some of them didn't even necessarily look like traditional one-timers but it was like one touch he's good at a pass is coming to him and he's not gonna flub it he has good hands he's gonna be able to let it rip really quickly before goalies get set and again you'll see a lot of goals in his highlight reel where like he'll get that shot off and then the goalie's glove is like half a second late just because he had no time to react and that's the importance of with his line mates, he needs somebody that can make either side to side passes or control the puck below the dots, have both the defenseman and goalie sort of turning and not really having Lindholm on the radar. 
And then when that quick low to high pass is made, boom, you got to let that rip right away. That's literally Lindholm's bread and butter. All right. This is great stuff, folks. This is great. There's so many people in the YouTube live chat. Like I've said four times already, I'm going to have to say it again. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are live Monday to Friday at 2 p.m. every day. We usually have a studio. We usually don't do our show from home. We usually do it at a beautiful studio. Uh, Go check out our old videos. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. We are live 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, except for this week. We did take uh, these final three days off, or we thought that they were going to be um, three days off. We ended up doing a show tonight, but we will be back on Monday. Again, Monday through Friday. Um, Grady, do we know when Sakaris and Price are going live? Because Jordan Savage in our YouTube live chat is wondering as well. Uh, there are teammates. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Sakaris and Price are going live. So, folks, coming up right next is the Sakaris and Price show. Make sure you go check them out as well over on the Sakaris and Price YouTube channel. All right, Harmon, any closing thoughts on this trade and what we saw tonight? I just think it's an exciting time to be a Canucks fan. Look, there's risk when you go out and you pay um, the market value price for a rental, but it's a fun risk to to kind of take in this situation. It's not reckless. Uh, look, I would have called this reckless or not have been a huge fan of this trade if it had meant giving up a Willander or a Lekaramaki or the first round pick was a 2025 where you don't have that certainty of, hey, it's going to probably be uh, later in the 20s. But here, I'm not too worried about the return potentially haunting them. And now, at this point, it's just a matter of, can Lindholm fit with this team? Can he fit in the top six? Can he fit on the power play? Can he give the team a boost as a right-handed centerman who can kill penalties? I'm confident that on paper, it will translate. Now, that doesn't always work out in, in practice because, again, you look at Meyer or Horvat, Horvat's slow start last year you're talking about big changes, new city, new teammates, new system. So there is that downside risk, but I like this as a calculated gamble. Um, It's an exciting time to watch this Canuck team, hopefully go uh, on a run this year. Chris Faber in the YouTube live chat saying congrats on a thousand fellas. Chris, thanks for watching, buddy. We appreciate your, uh, your support. My closing thoughts, Harm. I'm going to give it over to a flames fan in our YouTube live chat. Teron Boot wrote this. If you win the cup, this is the best deal ever. And as a Flames fan, I can live with that. We're going to have a lot more on this. Next week, we're going to break it down a lot. We've got an All-Star game tomorrow. I briefly mentioned this, but eight All-Stars going to the All-Star game for the Vancouver Canucks. you got Al Murdoch, who's the PA announcer. Um, you've got Rick Tockett, who's the head coach of one of the teams. you got Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson as captains with Michael Buble. The draft happens tomorrow, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Go to CanucksArmy.com as well for all your coverage. And, of course, The Athletic. We should also shout out The Athletic. That's where Harmon writes. Um, CanucksArmy.com will have a lot of coverage of the draft tomorrow and all that fun stuff. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. And uh, <laughs> RE45 said, Quads is still trying to figure out if Myers will fit in the first power play unit. <laughs> Net front presence. And folks, there's a lot of new ones, new new listeners here. That's an old running joke that we've got um, on this show. But yes, folks, thanks so much for the support. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and hey, if the Canucks win the cup, this trade is a set slam dunk win. But for now, we will close it out there. For my co-host, Harmon Dial, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for joining us on a late night edition. Well, it's only 7.30 of Canucks Conversation. 
Canucks conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app.